Good evening, everyone, and welcome to ADV Moto Live number 17, Going Small. Today, more and more manufacturers have released 125 to 500cc range bikes, many of which are shorter, but also much more affordable. Where are small bikes best used? What are their limitations? And is a small bike the way for you to go? This and more on tonight's ADV Moto Live. All right, I am super excited about our guest tonight. We've got a couple of awesome names coming from other sides of the planet. One Wolfman needs no introduction to many of us in the ADV world, having been producing luggage for both uh, street and off-road riding for over 28 years. Uh, he shares a love of small bikes with our second guest, who is currently in Greece. So it's really early in the morning there, something like 2.30 on an amazing journey around the world on a Honda Monkey 125. Everyone, please welcome Eric Haugen from Wolfman Luggage and Andre Souza from RideThatMonkey.com. Hi, guys. <laughs> you guys get mad applaud track. <laughs> <laughs> well, how are you guys doing tonight? Doing well, doing well. Could you give us a, a basic idea of where you are? Uh, Eric, where are you guys based out of? We're based out of Longmont, Colorado. So we're kind of uh, about 30 miles north of Denver, 15 miles northeast of Boulder. And uh, right now we're dealing with a big, huge uh, forest fire up near Fort Collins. So we're getting a lot of smoke and haze and stuff like that. So. The purple haze? Oh, it's more than that. It feels like you walk out into a campfire. It's oh, wow. Wow. Yeah, I think the, I think the, the last show... You know, we, we've been dealing with people from all over the place that have had forest fire love going on in the whole western half of the United States. I hope it settles down there eventually. And Andre, wh where are you at right now? Please tell everyone. I'm, I'm in Greece, in the north of Greece, close to the Macedonian, north Macedonian border, in the middle of, of the street, as you can see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. On a city that uh, was declared lockdown at uh, 1 a.m., for the next 14 days, everything closed, even hairdressers, cafes, everything. So it's 3 a.m. now. So I hope you don't see the police. It will be a good show, but <laughs> it's not good for me. Let's see. Let's see. Well, hey, that's living life on the edge, right? Yeah. Quite literally. <laughs> yeah, it's right? the I mean, here it uh, was the only solution. So this coffee has really a good internet, as you can see. So it's perfect. It's perfect. <laughs> Yeah, so does that mean all of the borders are also closing down there too as well? Or or is it no. just that you're not free to move around like you normally would? It's this, uh, in here the lockdown was in this uh, city. They only have like 70,000 people, but uh, they are having really big cases every day. So they have done in Greece only this region. They cannot even go out anything. And starting tomorrow, next in next 14 days, they cannot go out of the region everything closed only the necessary the bases like uh, supermarkets and mask everywhere even on streets wow yeah yeah well in the in the u.s we're you know it's a, it's a bit political but people are generally wearing masks all over the place at least when they're in areas where you know you in have other the, people each country have their own rules i passed like in spain yes but in the rest of the Balkans, like I came from Bulgaria last week, I've been in a disco till 5 a.m. and enjoying a lot full of people. So in Greece, they close at one, the normal cities. 
that when everything closes, but there are some countries in here that nothing. It's like normal. You only use you only use mask on metro or something. The rest it's always without. It's I even in Bulgaria I don't feel the COVID and all Balkans was really sometimes I need, I even don't think about it because I don't see anything. So Yeah, well, it's just gonna get crazier as as you go through, right? Yeah, now the only I've done twenty countries till now, from July till now in ninety six days, always with the, the COVID. The only problem now will be Iran. It's the only one on my road that it's closed. The first one, because Turkey I can enter, but Iran it's still closed because of COVID. So I will stay in these countries in this region, waiting a little bit to 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 continue the the journey. Yeah. Wow. All right. Well, let's get rolling stuff. Yeah. So just kind of get a contrasting perspective here. You know, um, how did you guys start writing? You, you know, so Eric, I mean, you've been you, you've been obviously making the luggage for, for so long. But I mean, how did you get into writing? How did you get into adventure writing? Um, let's see. I started riding in my first motorcycle was a Honda Z50. So the grandfather of the monkey in 1977. So I've been riding. That was when I was 10. So I've been riding for uh, 43, almost 44 years. Started making luggage uh, kind of when I was in college. I have a degree in apparel production and uh, didn't like making clothing. So I made backpacks and all kinds of stuff and uh, worked for Mountain Smith and Madden, a couple other companies in the outdoor industry, and then started Wolfman, uh, the second bedroom in our house in Netherlands up in the mountains and kind of grew it from there and made some changes and uh, just <laughs> doing it ever since. So it's kind of in my bloodstream and so on. So really started to specialize in adventure uh, luggage, most probably around the, the late, mid to late 90s, I think is when we started to really go for it. And that was when my riding style was changing from street more into adventure and dirt bikes and so on. Yeah, well, that's cool. You know, I didn't know you worked for Mountain Smith. Yeah. It just so they- happens I have one of their old organizer stuff bags here and they use the same square the same square format logo yeah i guess that i guess that makes sense and yellow too right yeah they did uh i worked for them when they were made uh in golden yeah yeah that's awesome i used to have some of their old backpacks mm-hmm. beat the hell out of them mm-hmm. all right andre how about you man how long have you been riding uh i started my first motorcycle was a pocket bike at uh, eight years old that in at least in Europe was really cheap, like 150 euros that cost at the, at the time. And my father gave me one because my father was a kart, uh, go-kart racer and had like uh, many sports bikes. And at 12, I started to race uh, professionally on uh, speed category, started in 85cc GP. After 125cc GP to the Moto3 now, and uh, right now I'm racing on uh, uh, Super Sport 600cc with an MV Agusta F3 and uh, a Triumph Daytona 675. And was uh, since uh, 12 years old till now, I'm 24 now, uh, racing. And I stopped, not stopped, I only have done a break now for the adventures. Because I earned, I ended my master in business management and I saw like it's the perfect timing to, to do my dream. So after when I arrive, I, I will continue the, the races and with, uh, with many stories and good stories, I hope. <laughs> That's awesome. I had, I had no idea that you had, a, you know, a racing background. Yeah. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, well, because on Facebook, on Instagram, I have done the profile only for the trip. So normally I don't put about the races because it was the last years. It's I only put some stories sometimes, but on Facebook I have everything, all the the career. <laughs> well, that's that's awesome. So you've raced a bunch of different bikes. Uh, yeah. Eric, what, I mean, how has your career of riding, I mean, uh, I know we've talked before about, about, you know, people gradually just kind of downsizing, you know, over, over time for, for various kinds of reasons. I mean, what have you kind of moved to throughout your riding career? For me, what, uh, what makes me do this uh, low grade of the bike is uh, totally the challenge. I love like crazy, crazy things for first and adventure. And in 2018, I have done uh, all South America with uh, a 125cc bike, 24,000 kilometers in 120 days. They have done all countries uh, overlanding possible of South America and um, even Venezuela illegal that I entered because it was like, like now, like close to a civil war inside and the bike cannot enter. The person that are... Uh, an entrance like humanitarian via to, to go Colombia, Venezuela, but not the bike. And there was many stories after that one. Honda wanted to sponsor again because in the other one, I was sponsored by Honda Brazil. The Honda Portugal spoke with me and I had this project for years, like was my dream because I, I started with the pocket bike and after I had the monkey a Z50. <laughs> so I was like, needs to be the monkey. And the Honda wanted to, to be the first one doing a direct round the world without coming back home, like always all continents and 360 degrees on the globe with a monkey. So was this their challenge for me was perfect. And now here I am in Greece. <laughs> Let's see how it's going. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a, that's a, a, a crazy timeline there man so but uh, so eric i mean how did you i mean how did you kind of graduate through the bikes uh, you know, during your riding career just by personal preference i always wanted to try a bunch of bikes at times um i i've had over 30 bikes um and then now i i own three wr250r a ktm 456 days and a 790 adventure rally so I kind of have a, I, and also by business, we kind of have to have a certain amount of bikes because it helps design luggage and so on. But the bike I ride that I've owned the longest, which is kind of wild, is the WR250R. And I've ridden that just all over the place. I've done the Nevada BDR down in Mexico, all kinds of stuff. So um, I've actually done a couple BDRs on it. I was on the Nevada BDR uh, uh, expedition and the documentary. So yeah, it's uh, just personal preference, I think. I ride a lot alone, and so I know I'll, you know, I'm, I've, I had a 12 GS rally in the sand, and I've gotten it stuck, and it's no fun, <laughs> in my opinion. So I know on a smaller bike, they're easier to ride. You're not as beat up. Even the 790 is easier to ride, I think, than the GS. That's personal preference. All of this is personal preference. We can get into it, you know, it's like talking about uh, motorcycle oil. Oh, uh, yeah. So, but just personal preference. I like light bikes by and large. And, and especially for off-road, yeah. you know, so from the travel side, Andre, you could have picked anything. all kinds of bikes. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, you, you, you could have picked anything and, and, and coming from the, from the racing background, you know, you have, you have the skills. It's not like you needed 
to choose a novice type of bike, right? So when you're sitting there thinking about like, oh man, how am I going to circle the globe? Let me do it at 30 kilometers an hour. You know what I mean? Like, like how did that happen? I mean, I mean, you had already talked about that being a challenge, you know, and that's one thing, right? But the overall experience, I mean, what did you think a smaller bike will get you that a medium or large bike wouldn't? First, uh, first of all, for me, it's uh, like the like the challenging part of uh, do something new. If uh, no one have done with the monkey bike, it's like, yeah, let's go. Let's try to because the and I receive many messages of people not encouraging, doing the opposite, saying, no, no, no. It's impossible. You are not going to do with that bike. No. So it's what moves me like, oh, let's show that with the <laughs> that uh, really slow bike, really small, it's possible. So it's if it's possible with this one, it's possible with all bike in the world. It's one of the things. Other one, it's what I say. Obviously, it's really harder because the bike has many vibrations, monocylindric with all the metals of the preparation to have the fuel, to have the bags. Everything makes many vibrations. So 15 minutes, my hands are without blood, like dormancy. <laughs> and the average speed, 50, 60 kilometers an hour. The bike, it's a 125cc, but only 9 horsepower. That it's one of the low powerful 125cc bikes. So only four gears and more than 200 kilos in total. It's 50, 60 when it's planned and going up 20, 30, like in here yesterday, going till 2000 meters high was first year. I put second and like, oh, first no. 20, 30 kilometers an hour. So it's what moves me. And the problems, it's what I love because when I have flat tires, problems on the bike, it's when I met many people that have really good heart and wants to help me. So, and I visit cities that I would never visit with a big bike because I took too much time to reach some places and I cannot reach it. And I will stay in small village. That was impossible in a big bike. I was going to, to reach my, my check, checkpoints of the day. And in this bike, many times I cannot uh, arrive there. Yeah. The, the fact that you slow down and that you, and then you have to, you have to go slowly definitely has an impact on the social experience i mean eric have you had a similar uh, experience kind of moving around the u.s and mexico and the other places you've traveled yes and no i think uh the 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 one thing about andre's trip is just that kind of the novelty of that bike it's like what is this this thing is so small and that you know you're, you're only on secondary or third level roads you'll never be on the highway and so that's going to change the experience completely um, whereas, like you said, if you're on a big bike, I would have gone past half, uh, you know, you can make so many more miles in a day. Whereas on the monkey, you just can't, you're, you're limited to 20 to, 50 to 60 kilometers an hour. So however far that will get you in a day, the travels we've done in, I, I've done in Bolivia and so on, um, they were on more of a medium size, 650s and so on. So that's a difference. We didn't, we wouldn't get the, I didn't have as much interaction that you would like on a smaller bike, like what Andre is doing. And in Mexico, we kind of had the same thing. Um, weather was an issue and, and whatnot. So, but the uniqueness of what Andre is doing is, is so cool because you're, you're, I think 
uh, you're more approachable too. You're you're on just this very unique motorcycle. Whereas if you're on a big bike, you're kind of if it's a big BMW, you can kind of be seen as a, uh, a dollar sign. And uh, whereas on the monkey, he, they see bags strapped in. They're like, we're not going to mess with this guy. You know, he's he's doing something. Whereas if they saw a guy on a big bike, they're like, well, he's rich. This guy is not. He's got stuff strapped all over the place. So I, I think that's so cool in in that respect. And the challenge is doing it on a bit on a small bike. Anybody can do it on a big bike. Everyone's done it on big bikes. But the challenge is not to do it on a big bike. And to go at that pace and uh, be very outgoing and commun and and really kind of you get to smell a lot, you get to be there right then and there. That that's awesome. That is true adventure travel uh, at the at the spirit of adventure. That is it right there. Yeah, I mean that's that, that's really where you're pushing both not only the bike but yourself. Yeah, right. And to, patience too. I mean, it's like, oh, I'll get there sometime. <laughs> I got to get there. Well, 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 we'll find out when I get there. Uh, yeah, the, absolutely. But you know, with with some of the limitations, you know, with the bike. So, for example, um, you know, uh, you know, it's not all all flowers, but you know, for example, there there have been a bunch of uh, images that that you've uh, shared, Andre, of the rear wheel has been broken. Yeah, yeah, I had the question. So, what happened? It was really hard. I was in um, from uh, Menton, that it's the south of France, close to Italy. I entered in the Alps region, and I was going up on the mountain, and I was 30 kilometers an hour. A guy on a car came, probably didn't see me or something. I don't know. I only felt a big crash on my back, and I was on the floor like 10, meet 10 meters with the bike on... Uh, on top of my right leg and uh, I couldn't take the bike when the crash was over and uh, I stayed like two minutes probably. I don't have mm, the right measure of time in that uh, situation. But uh, after came a guy that took me the bike and everything and the guy ran away, the guy that uh, crashed on my back and destroyed everything. Even the wheel broke was like 1,500 euros in repair that owned the paid because it's the main sponsor, but it was really bad. Ambulance, police, and the police was really rude, saying like, oh, do you have the plates? I was like, so I stayed on the opposite side of, uh, of the car, where the car was going. I was 10 meters on the floor, like the bike on top of me. Obviously, I don't have a plate. I <laughs> And guys, oh, you don't have a plate? It's normal in here. There are many... <laughs> Many Arabic people in this region and they don't have driver's license or insurance. It was, it's normal in here. It, <laughs> and it was really hard because on, on my knee was still the bone. I, oh. I noticed that I didn't have any broken bones. So I signed the paper to the ambulance saying, no, I want to see. They put the bike on the, <laughs> on the truck because I was like, oh no, they will destroy my transmission because the wheel, the disc, the disc brake, and the transmission was directly on the floor. And I was afraid of the bike. Like, But in the end, it was perfect because it's what I say. The problems, normally when I have a problem, after comes something so special. And in that day, the guy that came to pick the bike from the insurance started to speak with me and was a Portuguese guy. Only at the first, like, oh... Speaking after, I was like, no, I want to go to a Portuguese restaurant because there are many immigration of Portuguese in France. 
And I went to a restaurant, Portuguese restaurant, and I stayed four days eating there for free. They offered me everything at night. The Portuguese community was taking me out to drink beers. And uh, the hotel was paid for a sponsor that was like, oh, okay. Because everything uh, in this trip is really low cost. Normally, I sleep in the house of bikers, moto clubs, or my tent. It's really rare to go to an hotel. In Greece here, I'm sleeping in many hotels because the moto clubs pays it. They're like, oh, we pay the hotel because it's really hard. And there was perfect. And in four days, the bike was fixed by official Honda. Perfect. I could continue. And here I am. Wow, that's that's crazy. Uh, and the other the other problem too that you might have with a smaller bike that you wouldn't have with a larger bike is, wasn't your bike stolen? Also, didn't someone steal it? Uh, mine, no, no, never. Oh, for no. some reason, I remember that. No? no, no. The thing that happened, there was some news in last trip, but was in South America that uh, I lost all all my money and my ID. I only stayed with the, I lost my wallet with credit card, debit card, all my money's in dollars because South America, normally when I don't have the currency, I pay in dollars, $700 in cash. I lost everything. I only stayed with um, the passport and, uh, and the documents of the bike because I couldn't put on the wallet. The, the size was bigger. And I lost everything. And the bikers in Colombia have done wow. a party and have done like they were collecting money and they gave me. And I ended my last trip with money of Colombian people. So it was another good, good story. The other one. Yeah, that's, that's pretty amazing. So that, so that brings us to a, another question, which is, you know, when you're doing traveling, especially, I mean, we all know that if you ride off road, having a lighter bike is generally better. You know, I mean, you can navigate things. You're not worried about dropping it as much or picking it up, you know, or anything like that, but you are more limited in how much you can carry and how you can carry it. And we do have a question from Mondragon who is in the chat room. He also owns a 125. And uh, he would like you to explain how you how you managed your luggage. Like, how did you come up with your packing system? And maybe we can see if Eric has some ideas about this too as well. <laughs> For me, first, the, the off-road with this bike, I do it, but it's, it's really hard. Like that one, the picture that you post on the sand was in Albania. And I wanted to, to do camping on a desert beach. And to do 15 kilometers, I was one hour and a half, like pushing the bike. The people one time helped me and was really hard because the wheel is so small that for off-road, it's not uh, nothing good at all. And mm. with all the weight, imagine. And the bike is not power enough. When was on the sand, if I'm seated on the bike, she has no power to do this on the sand. So only I need to put me up and with the legs, like run on top of the bike for the bike and do some rounds and go on. was really hard. It was a, a bad idea, but I will have many up road. The, the luggage. Uh, my sponsor is the Toratec that offered everything. And I, I prefer this system because the bike is so small that I cannot have top cases. It takes me a lot of space, only like this. And seems like many luggage, but in the pictures, the bike seems bigger. So when you see it, if you see the top, it's only a normal, a normal backpack, really small. And I have like seven t-shirts only, one pair of jeans that I'm using now and after the, the speedy clothes. 
this jacket is from Speedy, another sponsor, that it's the inside of my, my jacket. And I use it when I go out because I don't have space to have a normal jacket if it's not from the, the equipment. And I only have one shoes and the boots and the flip-flops, nothing else. On the other one, down, that it's the um, waterproof one the, that seems bigger, <laughs> that it's not so big. I have the principle for me is the spares. Mm. Uh, I have plenty of spares uh, to the bike, to the, the revisions. When that's over, the Honda from Portugal sent me for where I am. But I'm the guy that I'm like, if I am in Iran, it will take many times. So I always prefer uh, have some precaution and the things that I know that breaks easily. I always have it. Uh, even a piston in in case because the bike it's closed always full throttle to to reach that speed. It's never full throttle. I always do like that. I feel the full throttle and I take a little bit only for don't be paranoid to feel like no no it's not full throttle. It's <laughs> it's always that uh, that close. And I have the spares and I have a sleeping a sleeping bag mattress. And only some electronics like chargers and, and I put some memories that I try to send to Portugal because moto clubs are always give her a t-shirt or, and I always send because I don't have space for anything else. On front is the tent. On uh, the deposit, I have like a Iman bag uh, from Honda that I have the documents and the power banks, everything. And on the side, I have put the, Two flat tires and uh, the tools to to fix something, and uh, it's it's this. I don't have anything else. It's really low, and if you see the bike on real, you will see it seems many luggage because the bike is really small. But it's like I cannot take anything else. If not, I cannot camp. And yeah, <laughs> yeah no yeah. space for for anything at that point. I mean, yeah, you just can't carry a lot, regardless. Yeah. Um, I try to go as light as possible. I, I carry the least amount of stuff I can. Um, I keep, uh, I think one of the last trips I did, it was a couple nights. With food, the luggage itself, I was under 30 pounds. So, wow. you know, on a big bike, you put 10 pounds on, you don't really notice it. Uh, on a little bike, you put 10 pounds on, you're going to notice it. You put 40 pounds on, you're going to notice it. You put 100 kilos on, you're really going to notice it. notice it, yeah. Uh, so I try to go as light as possible because the bike works better. I'm not as tired. And there's creature comforts I will um, I'll give up not to have to have a more performance bike and not be as beat up and stuff. So Yeah. Uh, so, so, Eric, what do you think are some of the things that get first left behind when you downsize for packing on a, on a small bike? You know, like, what's the first thing that, that, that goes? For me, it's going to be uh, like a pair of jeans. So I'm going to ditch those. I'm going to get to a lightweight camp pant or not even bring anything like that. There are times I just wear my moto boots, don't even bring a pair of flip-flops with me. First things are, are really kind of scaling back the type of equipment I use. Uh, once in a while, I'll bring a chair, but now there are chairs that are being made that weigh less than a kilo. The new tent that I have is actually designed for bike packing, and it's a single, and it weighs, I think, with footprint, poles, everything, it's under three pounds. Is, it, is that the Big Agnes? 
Yeah, the new Big Agnes Copper Spur. Also. Yeah, the Copper Spur. It's expensive. I mean, that's the other thing. They're all still nylon. They're expensive because it's a terrible stuff to use. It's so hard to sew and whatnot. Um, and then now, now their poles are a foot wide, foot long. Yeah, they got the 12-inch poles. Yeah. Really cool. Um, the lightest stove, so I carry a small burner and then titanium uh, pot and then uh, just as light as possible. Sleeping bags, uh, down. I, um, I use down, but if it's in a wet condition, I won't. But uh, a light sleeping bag. Uh, yeah. And so, sometimes I'll travel. I won't even bring the tent. I'll just bring the rain fly. Just for, uh, it depends if it's buggy out. If I know it's not going to be buggy, then I can carry some other things. But what I see a lot that people bring is just too many of the same thing. Too many t-shirts, too many uh, pants, too many, too many tools. When you're solo, you have to be prepared for everything. If you ride in a group, how many tubes do you really need? How many pairs of pliers do you really need? I mean, if you were mm-hmm. with a buddy, uh, if it was a couple... I remember some friends of mine, the Rattes, uh, Chris and Aaron Ratte, who now live in uh, Hungary. They went around the world um, and earned a Guinness Book of World's record. They started out on, he was on a uh, BMW uh, R100 PD and she was on an F650. By the time they got down to the uh, middle or bottom of South America, they got rid of the PD and they rode the same bike uh, or both each had the same bikes because then they only needed one set of spares, meaning you only only needed tools for one style of bike. And that made that so much easier for them uh, and whatnot. So uh, thinking about those kind of things, when you ride solo, like uh, you're doing, um, you have to carry everything. You don't know what you're going to go into, and especially if you're going into Iran or uh, different countries where you just don't know what the, what's available, even though Honda's a big name. Do they have parts? Do they have spares? Um, that kind of thing. So bringing all that with you, that's always going to be a concern. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'll bring it. I bring one tube a front because the front will go in the rear. I know a rear can go in the front. And I have some friends that did it with a packet of mayonnaise trying to get it on and so on. But, uh, you know, the more important thing is have some extra tubes, but have patch kit because you need to. That's going to be the way to get going. And and stuff like that. So I travel just as light as possible. I've kind of broken down my kit to know what it is. And that's just by doing it for so long yeah. and uh, being comfortable with it. And yeah. Yeah. Well, it really seems like, you know, there are on your personal stuff, your shirts and your pants and everything. There's only so much you can come down to. Right. Yeah. But, but the camping stuff. Right. That's the hard one, Andre. And I'm not sure if you can uh, you know, add some thoughts about this, but. But the camping stuff is crazy because it's like sometimes you use it, sometimes you don't. Yeah. Right. So, so what's your camping setup? You know, like, like, like you said that that large bag on the front, right, is all. Yeah. Because I choose one thing after South America because my my biggest problem in South America was sleeping on the tent. Many times I I was waking up only to see. Let's see if the bike is here. And uh, in this one, I thought like, oh, this is a small bike. I will buy a tent with the, the front part that covers the rain and I can put the bike inside and no one will see it. So it's, easy, it's harder to, to steal yeah. the bike. So I bought this one really heavy and I can put it inside. But uh, as always, oh. right now I will change it because during the travel, you see if you use it or no. Like I have a share too. 
but uh, I don't I use it but it's not uh, the effect of that chair it's to put the weight to the seat because my rack bike is so small that if you put all the weight in the back even the the chassis the sub chassis can break with the, the weight so I put the chair to put the weight to the to the seat too and even to the side is the the bags don't stay like stay straight and it's it's better and now i will buy a normal tent i i uh, i should not not do a sponsor to this brand brand that don't sponsor me but in south america i have been with a tent of 30 euros of decathlon i don't know if that exists in in mm -hmm. the united states no it's not in the u.s they're a french brand right I don't know from which country in here yeah. in Europe everywhere you have all countries and it's really cheap and that tent was really better than this one that costs like 200 euros that I have so I have one two of one kilo that it's so lightweight that was Torah that they, that gave me but I only use it for emergencies because uh, it's so lightweight that I can take it and I put the flag on that so I didn't have place to put the flag that it's only one kilo. For me, it's emergency. And even if I do some hiking or go up on a volcano that I like to do, but it's too low to, to put everything and too small. It's only for one people and to put all my luggage, it's impossible to put inside because the bike stays outside. I don't left anything to, to, to no one can touch. So I will buy a three person tent now in the Catalan for 30 euros and I will put will be that one that I will use and bike stays outside because it's I only in three months and something I only put it once and I put alarm on the bike so this one has alarm if someone touches I will hear hmm. and if I buy it it's a cover to cover the bike and it's much lightweight and that doesn't uh, take a lot of space so probably I will buy a cover to don't see directly the bike because in Portuguese we say what the eyes don't see, the the heart don't feels like. If you don't see, you don't. People normally don't go to see what is inside to to steal, but they see, they get like, oh, I good bike. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, to, to to steal. No yeah, one so, <laughs> a small bike. Yeah, so so a bike cover is 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 a piece of security, not just keeping it clean and dry, but also security. But it sounds yeah. like you might be a good candidate for something like a big Agnes Copper Spur. I mean, you know, like especially on the small bike, both uh, Eric and I have used them, uh, but they're really tiny, man. It's like it's like this big. Yeah. I mean, it's maybe like uh, I mean, they're about twelve inches long. So that's that's point. It's like that's like point point two or like point three meters or something like that. About thirty centimeters. Yeah, it's about thirty centimeters. So yeah. they're. And it's big. Took over the bike. No, I'm talking about a tent. I the tent, yeah, yeah, that one that I have on the back is uh, is really small, but uh, it's it's what I say. Normally they are not too high, and I like to have the comfort of the tent because for me it's the house of sometimes one week on a row. So if I don't have a big tent, at least for three people, and that one it's probably four kilos, and in the front. I need weight. It's the thing. It's another thing. It's too. I have too much weight on the back, so I need to put weight on the front. If not, yeah. the bike stays with really, really. How do you say the front stays really like without grip? You want to balance out the weight. Yeah. yeah. 
balance, I need to put weight. So for me, I have that one that it's lightweight on the back for emergency. Not, so I need a normal tent only, not so heavy like this one. But three, four kilos is enough. And I put some waters close to the to that part on the windscreen. And uh, it's perfect balanced like that. Oh, that's good. Yeah, like balanced small- never, but yeah. <laughs> better, better. Oh, yeah, this, yeah, the small tent we're talking about, I think, is only maybe like one one and a half kilos or something like that it's it's yeah. it's super light it's super light yeah. anyway we'll talk about that uh mm-hmm. you know later but you still have so much of your trip to go it would be nice to even just continue to shed some weight as long as it you know it still works with you you know what i'm saying yeah 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 it's we are always in contact it's only see where i am and uh, of course <laughs> so when you're so eric this is kind of more for you but say when you are packing for a light bike and or even say something small like this, you know, you talked about balance. What are some really key things, you know, that you would, you would want to keep in mind if you're, if you're kind of overloading a bike and you have limited space? Well, if you have limited space, that the, the biggest thing that a lot of people don't realize, you know, that, that they're all guilty of is if I have the space, I fill it. And that every, I, I've, taught classes on packing and they're like, yeah, well, I had a little extra space, so I added more stuff. Did you use it? No, and I shouldn't have brought it. But it's just, we, we have this weird sense that, oh, well, more is better. <clears throat> Less is better, in my opinion. Um, balancing it out also uh, side to side as well. I always kind of heft and I, I, I want it to be a real balanced system. So you, one side's not heavier than the other. I usually go backless. So I never put fuel on the exhaust side. That always goes on the uh, non-exhaust sides. So my other stuff will go on the exhaust side. But uh, you don't have to load it up. That's the biggest thing. A 30-liter saddlebag, you don't need to fill it. Sometimes when to create volume, I would uh, not even stuff my sleeping bag in a sleeping bag stuff sack. I just stuffed it in the bag just to give it volume, not weight and uh that kind of thing i'm just real particular i i pack in small bags so then it just limits what i'm going to do and uh, i'm trying to think what else and i'm very simple and that's just all personal preference sure and there's no one way to pack one i pack a certain way other people think i'm crazy so yeah you just have to kind of do it feel it out yeah, and it takes a while to kind of get your thing. How do I want my stuff to be? Yeah. That yeah. kind of thing. But um, yeah. I go as light as possible. And- awesome. Awesome. So here's a question, guys. Hmm. How would you, for, so if, if someone came to you guys and said, you know, how do I know which type of bike is best for me? What kind of advice would you give them? Andre, you want to start that one? Yeah, what type can- of bike is best for me? How do you tell I'm someone... Well- I will always say, don't go with a mini bike. <laughs> don't me, go with a mini bike. Yeah, yeah, it's really hard. The vibration, the position on the bike, it's for me the worst is the back because the monkey is called monkey because of the position, because it seems a monkey on that bike. So the back, even with the belt and everything for the column, it's really hard. The always the shower maximum i need to stop and normally i i stay like on the floor like putting the bag to try and it's hard if you ride many days like 
I have done in one day 620 kilometers worth on total 15 hours direct. And was not on purpose. Was from Germany, four countries, Germany, Austria. And I arrived, I wanted to sleep in Slovenia. And I arrived the border and they say, no, no, you are Portuguese because of COVID. You only have uh, uh, 12 hours on our country. You cannot sleep uh, anywhere. You need to go direct. You cannot go to hotels, anything. We give you transit in our country. Wow. I have done the rest till Croatia and I arrived like uh, 2 a.m., totally destroyed. And I must put the tent and it's take everything from the bike, tent, everything. It's really hard for the back. The speed is really hard too, the vibration, as I told. So it's really for the challenge. But for me, and where I see the people that I met on the road, if I, if I want, if you say like, if it was not for the challenge and to be comfortable, what is the bike that you would pick? For me, uh, I love the CRF, the Honda 250 Rally, mm -hmm. that is with really good suspensions, really lightweight bike, can do like uh, really good off-road, real... For me, it's the perfect one with big deposit already that you don't have to be like me with fuel in both sides. That's for South America is a must and some, some parts of Asia and, uh, and Australia. So for me, it was the, the bike to choose for sure. That one, the, the CRF, CRF uh, 250 Rally Honda. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Eric, I mean, if someone asked you, well, you know, what bike is right for them, what do you think? So that's another personal preference. So it, it uh, first of all, you really have to ask yourself, what do you want to do with it? If you're going to do, you know, if you want mostly highway, we'll get a highway bike. Don't get a dirt bike on the highway. It's, it's, it's no fun. But if you want to do mostly off-road, find a bike that would be, uh, you know, good off-road. And if you're going to do 50-50, let's say 50 highway, 50 um, off-road, um, how aggressive are you going to do that? Um, so there's a lot of questions you have to ask yourself. If you're going to be, when I say highway, I'm talking interstate. Now, if you're going to go secondary roads, those are anywhere from 45 to 65 in the U.S. Um, I'd take my WR personally because it'll do all that. It'll go on the highway as well. But it's, an, it's a great off-road motorcycle. And I prefer yeah. something a little more off-roady than street. So I'll give up street manners to have a really good off-road bike. Then you get to the far farther extreme. You've got the uh, my 450. Uh, it's a I put a, a rally kit on it as well, and that one's even more extreme than the WR because it's lighter and so on. But it's a terrible bike on the street. That's the last thing I want to ride on the street. And then let's go to the other side of it on the 790. Um, that's actually a really capable bike, but I limit what I do because I know my capabilities of how far do I want to go in with a big bike like that because I want to get home. And uh, I don't like, I've uh, been in situations where I have dropped it. It's a lighter bike to pick up. When I had my 12 GS uh, rally, I, I laid that down a few times and it took a while to get that back up. So um, you have to ask yourself, you know, really, what are you looking for to do? And solo riding and whatnot, so, uh, smaller bikes or lighter bikes, not necessarily smaller, but lighter bikes are definitely a more preference, I think. Um, I've known a lot of people who have scaled down from big bikes into that 
mid-bike category, which would be like a, a 650 rather than the big twins in a 650 single or like 500 uh, parallel twin, that kind of thing. Um, I kind of consider the uh, 790 kind of a big medium bike because it is 100 pounds less than like a 12 GS, but still 100 pounds more than other bikes. But it kind of it, it kind of hides itself really well. But uh, smaller, lighter, and you really, like I say, you just have to ask yourself, what do you want out of the bike? And if you're going to ride a lot of sand, you better be good in sand on a big bike. If not, you're just going to get really tired. And I've seen that happen a lot. People just waste. Actually, I did the white rim in Moab uh, last weekend, and I saw two guys up uh, coming up uh, from Potato Bottom into Hardscrabble Hill, and they they had 1290s or an 1190, and one of them was embedded in the, in the silt. They haven't had a lot of rain, and it must have been, oh, I bet you a foot deep of silt and fesh fesh. One guy's bike was just standing straight up with no kickstand. And I, I was on 450, and I kind of just floated down. There wasn't really, you just kind of, with inertia and gravity, it just took me away. And they were going to struggle. I don't know if they finished because it was pretty bad. So I was glad I was on a small bike. Yeah, right on, right on, right on. So, all right, guys. So, I mean, um, you guys both done a fair amount of traveling on here. Uh, Andre, you're on a you're on a crazy route. You still have a lot left. You know, uh, where, where else do you have? Le- I mean, you really have only been on the road for a few months, and you're going to be planning for years. So, you know, how do you how do you see the next how do you see the next you know at least year panning out for you? And where are you going? Uh, now it will be for me this trip by. The first plan was that was going to take around three years. Now with COVID, no one knows how many time will take because I think uh, it's now it's the, the hardest part that it's wait Iran to open because when Iran opens, all Asia probably will be free. I, I have already the visa even for, uh, for India. Uh, so it will be that part, but. I have plenty places to visit. I, I'm planning to do now probably three weeks in Greece that the Federation, the International Federation and the Greek Federation are offering me everything. Everywhere that I go, the moto clubs pays the hotel. I, they are planning. I never know where I am going two days after because in the day, like today, I received the message saying, Andrea, tomorrow we are going to this location. Tomorrow they will send me for the two days after. So I never know where I'm going and they are planning everything for me, what is really crazy. And after I plan to go to Bulgaria, put some snow tires on the monkey because in here it will be snowing a lot, this region of Bulgaria, Romania, Serbia, and do a little bit of the mountains of Serbia, Romania. And in the moment that Iran's uh, give the news that are going to open, Turkey, Iran, Pakistan, uh, India, Myanmar, till Singapore, uh, Thailand, Malaysia, Singapore, and send the bike Australia. After Aus- Australia, I will do Perth to Sydney, one point to the other. After South America again, that I love it, and I have many friends there. For me, is the hospitality is so so crazy, and I speak Spanish, so mm-hmm. it's much easier. Everybody, if you don't speak, it's start to communicate if you speak it's like family it's crazy uh, after the darien gap by by boats 
Uh, I will do Central America, Mexico, United States, uh, Canada, and uh, the last continent will be Africa. And I will end in uh, in Portugal. Let, let's see. And everything is going to be okay for sure. <laughs> wow. That is one hell of a future that you've got in front of you there, man. And, you know, and of course, uh, you know, if, if you're ever swinging by, you know, we are on the East Coast uh, near Washington, D.C. If you ever are in this area, man, you mm -hmm. got a place to crash and wrench and stuff like that. Um, Perfect. Thank you. And it's planned to pass in that, that area. I want to enter in, uh, I want to do the, the Baja and after enter in California. And my dream is go to, to Mardi Gras for you. Probably it's like really common in uh, New Orleans. But for me, I, I'm like, I want to go there because I've been in Carnival in Rio, in Salvador. And now I want to go in, uh, in the United States too. So I hope passing that time and after I will go always by, by the coast there. Let's see. Wow. Yeah, that's, yeah. I mean, there's, there's so much there mm. to be honest with you. We can't even imagine, um, <laughs> you know, I mean, it would be, it would be hard enough to imagine what that would be like now. Um, you know, but the way the world changes and the way that we change as people, um, you know, down the road, uh, you know, who knows, who knows what that experience is going to be like. All I know is, that it's really exciting and there's so much growth there you know well all right guys let's uh try and wrap it up of course i have my my canned questions that i ask all of the guests um it's been great to have you guys here but i want to ask um if you have any words of inspiration for future adv riders out there eric do you want to go first just do it um there's so many tools out there now just do it don't wait anymore as i age i'm like man i gotta get this done and if you're new to it, learn as much as you can. If you have, I, I suggest take some training, but just do it. Absolutely just do it. Especially now that we've seen the world has changed, man, just do it. You got the time, you can make the time, do it. That's it. Yeah. Because you'll pay for it. You'll regret it in the end that you never did it. So just do it and travel. Travel is so important because even travel within your own country, you experience new things, new people, new cultures within the U.S. Even you don't have to go all the you know around the world. And that is so cool. But just travel itself to see something new is so important, in my opinion. I grew up in Latin America, in South America. I was born there. I do speak fluent Spanish and travel and seeing new things, experiencing new things, new foods. It's just so important to do that. It'll change your life. Yeah, absolutely. And that advice is good no matter what your age or background. Yeah. You know what I mean? If you're if you're young and full of energy and can ride a monkey bike for three years without <laughs> yeah, snapping yeah. in two, <laughs> that's that's all the better, right? Um, you know, but if you're but if you're more advanced in the years and looking at retirement, well, you know, how much is that time worth to you? Now, you know what I mean? Uh, knowing that there's only so many sunrises and sunsets uh, <laughs> left, you know, and uh, and uh, it's it, it's good advice for for all times and, and all people. Uh, Andre, what do you think? Words of inspiration for future ADVers out there? Uh, for me, it's it's easy. It's, if I'm doing it, and right now already twenty countries with uh, with a mini bike with nine horsepower only and more than kilos, everybody can do it with. All bikes, and there are many people that thinks that needs to buy a, an expensive bike to do it, and it's a big bike. And it's with 
all bikes it's possible. Obviously, the comfort is not the same, but sometimes it's even fun, fun, funnier and you have more adventure like this. And uh, the thing that's after start uh, traveling that I noticed it's that it's really much easier than what the people think. Right now, I even my plans, I have done one year and a half of planning. And now I'm traveling at the near. I even don't plan a lot. I plan to close to the next day. And someone invites me to go to his place. I go, I ask him, oh, where do you think I should go now? And he says, no, I have a friend in the other city. It's great. And I go. And I think uh, when I started, I were like, oh, no, this probably will be hard and but no, the world, the people is that you met is always good people and the bikers normally help everywhere in the world. So you are never alone. Sometimes I want to be alone and I even can't because someone is inviting me for a party till 4 a.m. drinking beer and at 6 a.m. I need to go to another city because I told the other guy that I was going there. So you will enjoy and we'll see that in the end you'll see it's so easy. It's nothing hard, even around the world. It's, uh, there are some things that you need to know, but the rest is really much easier than what the people think it is. All right, yeah. And, and the other thing too, we learn is that, you know, with the help of other people and that by and large, people are, are good, you know, uh, and, and they want to help you and they want to take care of you. Uh, and, uh, the, and the kindness and the generosity almost knows no limits. Um, and that may be actually, um, at least for me anyway, when I did, you know, some of the travel, that was one of the most eye-opening things for me was having a faith in humanity that, you know, they didn't teach you in school. It's, you know? it's for what I travel. I always say, uh, I travel for people. I, uh, for, for culture, I always go to visit the historic part of the, the cities and the countries. But what it's uh, stories. And if you see even my Instagram, uh, that it's where I put all the stories and everything. I always tell a story, what is happening with me? Never what I visited or not. It's always what is happening. It's the people that I met, what they have done for me. And uh, it's crazy how it's possible to have so good people all, all around the world. And you will see it. And the mini bike is another thing that normally I have more help than the normal because even in gas station it's really rare that i stop to put gas and no one comes to talk to me there are people that are really curious they see the flag and they see a p on the plate and normally they ask me ah you come from poland because p and it's like uh, <laughs> close to here so everyone oh poland to here and no port portugal with this bike and after i always say they ask me oh how can you do it Oh, I normally I sleep in the house of bikers, everything. And that happened many times the people, are, oh, they want to stay in my place tonight. Where are you going? Normally they ask, where are you going to sleep? In the tent. And they, oh no, come to my place. And if I was with a big bike, obviously it's more difficult. Someone comes and yeah. wants to know what I'm doing there. That happens. But with a mini bike, calls more the attention. And people say, oh, it's possible. I want to know the stories of, of this, this stupid guy <laughs> on a mini bike here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's fantastic. But it, 
it's uh, like I said, it's really exciting what you've got in front of you. And, you know, I, I think I know I know I for sure will be following along on that adventure. Well, all right, guys, we're going to sign off real quick. Please hang around for a few minutes. We will green room uh, after this, but we're going to close out and uh, we'll be right back. Hold on. All right. Well, all right. Thanks again to uh, Eric and Andre for coming on our show tonight. Although in a global sense, you know, small bikes are by far the most numerous. What we really want to see is a healthy range of options available for the full spectrum of riders. Uh, I mean, we're all different sizes. We have different experience levels, different interests, uh, and we also have different budgets. But large, medium, or small, different bikes are better suited for different kinds of situations. Uh, and uh, I hope that we can learn to make the most out of all of them, uh, regardless of what we need. Should go without saying, though, that in the world of adventure, the bike you ride is actually one of the least important considerations. At the end of the day, you decide where life leads you, and the adventure is you. So, everyone, please visit wolfmanluggage.com for some of the best moto bags around, which will work on both large and small bikes. And certainly follow along with Andre at ridethatmonkey.com. Uh, as well as uh, at ride underscore that underscore monkey on Instagram to get a slice of life on the road, monkey style. Ooh, ah! So we'll be checking out with you guys a little bit later. But next we have uh, join us November 5th for ADV Moto Live number 18, Suspension Secrets with John Mitchinson from Rally Raid Products. We will dive into the mystery and the world of understanding ADV suspension and get the latest scoop on setting up Yamaha's new Tenere 700. So ride along and bring some questions. As always, your support means a lot and keeps the motorcycle world running. So don't forget to like, subscribe our channel and visit VentureMotorcycle.com for more news, reviews, videos, podcasts, merch, and more. Until next time, from everyone here at ADV Moto, and I'm sure our guests that came on tonight, everyone ride safe and have fun.